Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. How many appreciate our worship team? All right. Well, yeah, Charlie Shamps coming in a couple weeks. Uh, who else? Bobby Connor. And today you're stuck with me. <laughs> oh, those will be powerful meetings. It'll be really fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Amen. Wow, good-looking group here today. Amen. Just raise your hand if you're good-looking. If you, if you didn't raise your hand, have your partner pray for you. All right. Well, God is good. I'm excited. I, I just feel this excitement in my, in my spirit, you know. Uh, I do. I feel an excitement. God is up to something. God is up to something. All right. Well, uh, how many have been implementing some of the words that I've been preaching about prayer? How many have been wearing that out? Anybody's knees hurt? You know, they say that Apostle John, when he was on the island of Patmos, he prayed so much that he he was he when they'd pick him up as an elderly man, uh, that he would be almost in a prayer type position when they would pick him up, because he was so in love with Jesus that he just wanted to pray all the time. Isn't that something? All right, so we'll do this scripture one more time. Okay, what what scripture is that? All right, thank you. We're gonna do it one more time, maybe. This is the Amplified. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, your false steps and your offenses. Pray for one another that you might be healed and restored or delivered, depending on the translation. And pray for one another. What are you supposed to do? All right. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, please pray for your husbands. Pray for one another that you might be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, not woman, just kidding. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or a believer can accomplish much. What can it accomplish? That's right. When people don't pray, not much happens. All Every revival that's ever been on this planet was always birthed out of prayer. That's right. It started a fire. Can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. It can have weak power or tremendous power. What do you think? Tremendous power. So if you're praying about your finances, you don't know what to do, get down on your knees or go take a long walk and get into a heart-to-heart talk with God. And you watch what he does. You watch what he does. Right? Because it says in my Bible that there's tremendous power made available through prayer. 
I think I've shared this story before, but this is back, back a million years ago when Char and I were, were young, and uh, she's still young, I'm older, uh, but uh, I remember I was flipping cars with my dad at that time, he was uh, always selling cars, had car lots all over, and, and uh, somehow or another the bank made a mistake in my deposits. And I had bought a number of cars from a small car dealer, trade-in vehicles. I was going to clean them up, sell them, flip them. And he called me, and he wasn't very nice. He wasn't very nice at all. And I said, settle down. I said, what's the matter? He said, your check bounced. I said, my check didn't bounce. He said, I ran it through twice. It bounced both times. I said, well, then it bounced. I said, but it's, I have the money. And so there we are, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? This guy's all angry. He's mad. And he said, I'll give you till Monday. This was like on a Thursday or something. And I think I've shared this before. I didn't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? That's right. I got down, and I started to pray, and I said, and it, I remember I got the call at, at night, and I remember Char had to get up real early. She went to bed, and I said, I'm going to go and get a hold of God because he has my answer. See, that's faith. So I went, we lived down at the trailer park at that time. We had just moved to Rice Lake, started work with my dad, and I thought, I'm just going to get a hold of God. It's always worked in the past, it'll work this time. I got up, I went out, it was a little bit cool, put a little jacket on, and I began to walk around that road, and walk around it, and walk around it, declaring God's goodness, praying, declaring the things of God. Walked, I said, God, I'm not going to come in until I hear from you. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, get in your car and drive to Cameron, because that's the answer, right? And I said, get in my car, drive to Cameron. You know, he doesn't always tell you what he's up to. So I get in my car, I drive to Cameron. He says, pull into that gas station. I pull into the gas station. He said, put some gas in your car. I said, I don't need any gas. He said, put some gas in your car. I said, okay, I'll put some gas in my car. Put like, you know, four ounces, click. And as I'm doing that, I'm thinking, this is just not, it doesn't make any sense. I was going to say dumb, but anything he tells us to do is not dumb. It's actually smart, but it appears to be weird at times, you know. So there I am, I put gas in my car, click, it's about 9, 10 o'clock at night, 10.30, something like that. And a guy pulls up next to me, and uh, I had done some work for him as a guy that I knew. Uh, I, he was in a hard place. I bought a whole bunch of car parts and things for him and helped him out. And, uh, and he said, someday I'll repay you. I forgot all about it. And uh, it was quite a bit of money, actually. And uh, just trying to be nice to someone in the community. And this guy pulls up, and there I am, click, trying to put some gas in a full tank. <laughs> Left it running so I could get some more in it. And uh, so then I just put it up, and I thought that was kind of silly. And I turn around and look, and here's that guy. And he looks at me and goes, oh, no! And I said, well, what, what's the matter? And he said, I knew I'd run into you. And uh, I said, well, what's okay. 
And uh, he said, I just received a settlement. And uh, he said, I have cash on me. And he said, I might as well just pay you. And you know that that was enough money to cover the difference at the bank. And then the bank called a few days later, and then they said they discovered the error in the deposit. How many know that prayer can accomplish much? Amen? We need to, we need to have some faith again that when we pray, things actually shift in the heavens. Amen? When we understand that when I get down on my knees, that's not a, just a position of defeat or some, some exhaustion, and I don't know what to do, so when everything else fails, then I'm just going to pray. No, it's the first line of duty, because when I get on my knees and I pray, or you walk, or you sit, or whatever, however you get before the face of God, when you get into the face of God, it shifts everything. Say amen. A lifestyle of prayer and walking in the Spirit creates a lifestyle of the miraculous. You want to have my, uh, signs and wonders and miracles in your life? Then pray. Just say this, I need to pray. Prayer will ignite faith. It's very hard to have dynamic faith when you have a carnal, dry life. Amen? Prayer brings the oil. Prayer brings, like in the Old Testament tabernacle, the priest's would go daily and they'd feel the oil in the candle albrum so it'd burn brightly all day. And when we go before God in the morning, we get fresh oil to burn brightly all day. Amen? Prayer will ignite faith. Prayer will naturally bring a release of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today. So, let's say this again. I need to pray. Amen. I'd like you to put your hand on somebody next to you. And I want you just to pray for them. Come on, we're a friendly church. Say, just say something good. Say, Lord, bless them. Show them how real you are. Let them feel your presence and your power and your love. Set them free from anything bothering them, God. Bless them real good. Let them know your goodness. Amen. All right, that was pretty good. All right. So I want to do a little bit of teaching today. Is that okay? I like to teach. Um, I like to preach, um, but I felt like the Lord said, I want you to do a teaching. So let's go to John 10, 27. John 10, 27. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John 10, 27. I'm glad I have these tabs in my Bible. John 10, I had a Bible for years, and I, it was, I probably used that thing for 25 years. I, I, I knew exactly where all these scriptures were. Now, that's like, you know, three quarters in and two pages over. There it is. All right. John 10, 27. Here it is. John 10, 27. Are you there? My sheep. What? My sheep hear my voice and know them and they follow me. What do you think it would be like if you got married and your wife never talked to you again? Some of you said that might be good. <laughs> what do you think if your husband never talked to you again? Or you go on a date, and there you are, 
the girl of your dreams. She agrees to go out with you. And you go out to a restaurant. She says nothing. You take her out afterwards to the park. You go for a long, romantic walk. She says nothing. So you take her home and date her sister. (laughs) What a boring relationship to be in a relationship where there's no communication. Amen? So the Bible says, my sheep, what? Hear my voice. Is that true today? Was that in the New Testament? It sure is. My sheep hear my voice. In other words, if you are a Christian, you can hear the voice of God. You can. Now, some people are trained that you can't hear the voice of God. The only way that God speaks is by reading the Bible. And this is a good way that God speaks. This keeps us in the, uh, this keeps us between the ditches. Amen? And when the voice of God speaks to you, it should be in clear, uh, it should be in alignment with the written word. Anytime that the voice of God, or it's seeming, it seems like the voice of God, is telling you to do something contrary to the written word, it's not the voice of God. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, so it says in John 20, uh, 10, 27, that my sheep hear my voice. You guys with me so far? Okay. Now, I'd like you to go to John 12, 29, and 30. John 12. So he just gets done talking about, hey, my sheep, hear my voice. God calls you a sheep. John 12, 29, and 30. Now, this is where Jesus, he's talking about, you know, his, his, uh, that he's going to be, um, he's actually predicting his death here. And um, let me find it here. I'm just trying to save some time. Uh, and he, uh, let's just go up to 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by, what? Heard it, said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. So here's Jesus and he's talking about, Lord, I'm willing to, you know, God, I'm ready to give my life, basically. And then he's saying, glorify your name. And the voice of God speaks from heaven. And there are people there, and most of the people there just thought it thundered. And some people heard the voice of the Father. And some people thought an angel spoke. Now, same crowd, but different effect. Does this make sense? Same crowd, different effect. Did you know that if you're trained that God doesn't speak anymore, it's very difficult for you to open the ear to the Spirit? And it seems that in this passage, the ones that were closest to him actually heard the Father. And then Jesus said, he said, you didn't hear that for my sake, but God did that for your sake. Isn't that something? 
It's important that we hear the voice of God. Now, I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. Now, is this all in the Bible so far? Is this in your Bible? Okay, just checking. Okay, 1 John, or 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Remember those songs we used to memorize to learn the Bible books? Very long song. Fourteen thirty-nine. Here it is. Now, in First Corinthians fourteen, he speaks a lot about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Is speaking in tongues in the Bible? How many times is it in the Bible? It's in there a bunch, a whole bunch. It's even. It's even in the Old Testament. Uh, he talks about speaking in tongues. He said in, in, he's predicting that it's going to come. Stammering lips and other tongues. Remember that? All right. So here it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, it says this, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not uh, forbid to speak in tongues. So it says... Desire earnestly the gifts. Desire these things. Desire to prophesy. Why? Because prophecy builds up the body of Christ. When you hear uh, a word for someone and you deliver that to that person, it builds them up. It sets them free. It does something in their life that will change them forever if it's a word from God. But it says here, I want you to look in your Bible Is this in your Bible? Therefore, brother, desire earnestly to prophesy. Do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Do we forbid the speaking in tongues in in this church? No. Why? Because it says not to. That's pretty simple. Don't do that. Should we speak in tongues? Yes. Talk to the Lord. Lord, is it okay if a church speaks in tongues? Yes. And then he says this, and don't forbid it. Why? Because he knows that it's a super powerful gift. When people learn to flow in the Spirit, flow in speaking in tongues or singing in, in the Spirit, it opens up the Spirit man. It builds faith. It stirs up the spiritual gifts in us. It is a powerful, powerful gifting, and don't let anybody, when God said it was good, don't let anybody tell you it's accursed. He said, don't forbid it. Did he say, don't forbid it? I just have to make this clear. Did he say, don't forbid? Okay, I just, I'm just checking because I'm not sure. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5.20. 1 Thessalonians 520, 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Where'd it go? It was here a minute ago. There it is. I wish they had that, you know, Bible on my phone or iPad that I could just click something and be there. Man, I wish somebody would invent that. 
1 Thessalonians 5.20, it says this. Now, this is another passage. This is by Paul. Um, let's go to verse 19. Well, let's go to 18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Okay? He says, this is the will of God, to give thanks. How many are giving thanks? Not for everything, but in everything. Then he says this, do not quench the spirit. So now he's building up to something. You want to see what's next? Don't quench the spirit. You ever been on a date and you killed the date? Did something dumb? Stayed on your phone the whole time or you, I don't know. And it's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's like, are you crazy? What do you mean, what's wrong? Go on a date, and she goes off and sits at a table of friends for the next two hours. You think that would quench the spirit a little bit of, of the excitement of that date? She comes back and says, kiss me, baby. All right. It says here, in everything give thanks, because this is the will of God. And then it says, do not quench the spirit. Okay, now he's building up to something. Don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the flow of the Holy Spirit in the cell group. Don't quench the, the flow of the spirit in the church. Don't quench the flow in the, uh, in the prayer meeting. Don't quench it. Now, how? How do we do this? Do not despise prophecy. What is the proper Christian view of prophecy? Not to despise it, but to embrace it. Otherwise, you quench the Spirit, and it'll be dead. God wants to speak to His church. Amen? He wants to speak into your heart. He wants to speak through the Word. He wants to speak through each other. Amen? Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test all things, yes, Test all things. Not everyone that gives you a word is a word from God. I've had some really wacky words, but I didn't stop believing that God said prophecy was good. What I did is I chucked the word. I said, oh, thank you so much. That's so bizarre. Thank you very much. In my office, there is a trash can. In my life, there is a trash can. Right? So if somebody gives you a funky word, it doesn't mean that God was wrong about giving the gift of prophecy to the church. It means that that guy was wrong. Amen? God gave love to the church. There are people that don't love well in the church. That doesn't mean that love is wrong. Right? All right. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Chuck the other things. Amen? Just chuck them. And then he says, abstain from every form of evil, and uh, so on. Okay, you guys with me so far? So let's go to one more verse, because I'm nice. 1 Corinthians 1.7. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I like 1 Corinthians. Who wrote, who wrote the book of 1 Corinthians? That's right. 
Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. Was he an apostle? Did he know what he was doing? He had an encounter with Jesus. Remember that? Knocked off his horse, blinded. There he is, wallowing. Oh, God. He has an encounter, and God adjusts his brain. He was terrorizing the Christian community, putting Christians to death. Thought he was doing the right thing. You can be following God and do the wrong thing. But you think you're doing the right thing. And then God gives you a moment of adjustment. And you have to decide. Am I going to follow the truth of the word? Or am I going to follow what somebody said? What does the Bible say? It's so easy. 1 Corinthians 1.7. Here it is. This, I love this scripture. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another translation says, you will lack no spiritual gift until the day Jesus Christ returns. There's a number of different ways it's written, but in the Greek, it says this. You will lack no charismatic gift, which means prophecy, tongues, healing, faith, all of those things. It says charismatic, charis, charisma, charismatic gift until Jesus Christ returns. Did Jesus Christ return yet? Then are you lacking any gift? Why did he give the gifts of the Spirit? Why did he do that? The Bible says he gave the gifts of the Spirit to build up the body of Christ. Does the body of Christ need more building today than it did 2,000 years ago? And the devil's like, get rid of the power tools. Let them be an Amish church. No power. Just theory. And God's like, I want to impregnate the church with the gifts of the Spirit so they can be built up and then they can win their lost friends through the gifts of the Spirit as well. Does this make sense? Are we okay? 1 Corinthians 1.7, what does it say? Is it in your Bible? You will lack no spiritual gift until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Jesus back yet? Paul wanted to make it emphatically clear that the gifts were for today. And even on the outpouring of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, uh, it was said in the outpouring of the Spirit in the book of Acts, it said that this outpouring will be given to you, your sons and daughters, and all future generations. How many generations? That's right. Don't sell yourself short. Someone says you can go in that bank and they're giving away free money today. And you're like, yeah, but mama said not to take it. Okay, well, I'm going. Driving a Corvette, having a good time. And that guy's like all mad at you. Because mama said. Well, or the Bible said that the gifts are for today and they're to build up each other in the most holy faith. To encourage each other. I, in 1986, I went off, in 1985, I went off to Bible college, and I went through a real hard time in my life. I did, before I left. It was just a time of confusion. It was really hard. I went down there. I spent a lot of time in prayer and fasting. 
And uh, I really sought the Lord. I used to walk the parking lots at night and just really seek the Lord. I thought if other people can go on dates, I can date God. And I did. And Lord began to speak to me and comfort me. And, and just, it was wonderful, wonderful. And the Lord has reminded me of that time and time again. When uh, life gets too busy, he's like, get back to that. And the voice of God began to get very clear in my life. And I came back. And I came to this church. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Pastor Carlson that was teaching. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I came back. I felt like I was so alone. And uh, came back for the summer. And I came in that door and I sat in the back seat over here. I didn't want to be bothered. First day back from college that year. And Pastor Carlson walked up front, turned and looked and prophesied and read my mail, talked about everything I was going through. I was bawling and I was crying and I knew that day that God knew who I was. It got me so on fire for God, I thought, I don't care, come hell or high water, I'm finishing Bible college and I'm going in the ministry. That's what that prophecy did to me in my life. I still have it written down. I have a binder here full of encounters like that where God had spoken to me and years later it came back, it came to pass just like he said. When I'm having a bad day, I get my binder out and I begin to read it. Here's prophecies in here from Augustine Acala and from Bob Jones and uh, from uh, people from all over the planet and they spoke into my life. And I go back and I read those and I go, wow, that was fulfilled 10 years ago. There's no way they could have known that that was going to happen. And it's like, wow, God is alive in my life. I don't want a dead church. I don't care if it offends people that we believe that that the Bible is relevant today, that the Spirit of God is relevant today, that the gifts of Spirit... Uh, the spirit are relevant for today, it, I would have to take and strip off 90% of my life if that was the truth. I want a passionate walk with God. I want to hear his voice. I want to sit. I was sitting one time in a, in a Christian meeting, and uh, there I was, a whole bunch of people, and uh, uh, I'm sitting there, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, see that guy next to you? I said, yeah. He said, he's away from me. He served me when he was young. He's went through some really hard times. He began to question his faith. He began to question whether the word of God was true or not. I really, he, the Lord told me, he says, I desperately love him. And I want you to write these thoughts down and put it on a paper and give it to him. I said, okay. Write this thing. I don't know who it is. It's Jim Bob. Write down exactly what the Lord told me. Slide it over to him, tap him on the shoulder. We're sitting at these tables during a, like a conference thing. I don't know if he's a Christian, non-Christian. I don't know. I don't even know why he's there. Slide this paper over, tap him, point at the paper and look away. <laughs> Looking for the exit just in case. And uh, looks at me, he gives me a really strange look. He goes, I love you with the love of the Lord. He was really grumpy. So he takes the paper, and he's holding on to it for a while. 
and he begins to read it, and then he gets like this, and he starts to bawl, and he starts to cry, and he starts to cry, and he starts to cry, and he starts to cry. And he's sitting there crying off and on for probably a half an hour. And I thought, yeah, I'm a prophet of God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it feels good when you hit it. You know what I'm saying? Do anybody here ever miss it? I have missed it many times. Raise your hand, your foot, everything if you've ever missed it. But it's awesome when you hit it. This guy talked to me afterwards, and he cried and cried and cried. Rededicated his life to Christ. He said, you have no idea what I went through. He said, the fact that God would speak to you, someone that doesn't know me, and give me, write out my heart and give it to me, he said, that means more to me. Anyways, I'm paraphrasing a long conversation. But how many know that the gifts of the Spirit are powerful? Okay, let's hit a couple more things. So you guys okay? See, I want a church filled with the life of God, the love of God, and the Spirit of God. What does the Spirit of God look like? It manifests through the gifts. Here's the thing about Jesus. We all say, man, I wish I could have been around the time of Jesus. See him raise the dead. See him move in faith. See him give words of knowledge. See him prophesy. See him do miracles. Discerning the spirits. You guys with me? Well, then... What Jesus did is after the outpouring of the Spirit, he took all those attributes that he had and he divided, up, divided them up into nine gifts and filled them and put them in people in the church. So when the church is flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, you're seeing the actual attributes of Jesus at work. Healing, signs and wonders, miracles, prophecy, words of knowledge, discernment, all those things, they're flowing and that is the design of God. And when the church gets a hold of that and they embrace that and balance it with the word of truth, amen, and they're submitted to authority, it can be a very, very healthy thing. When people don't balance it with truth and aren't submitted to authority, then it gets really crazy. I'm not after a crazy farm, amen? <laughs> so if I see somebody flowing but in an incorrect way and an elder says, hey, we want you to flow, but we need you to adjust something and you get mad and you leave, then that's not God that caused you to leave. That's pride. Amen? God is saying, hey, that's awesome, but we're going to make an adjustment. Say amen. Amen. All right. Man, I'm just getting warmed up. The Bible, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about that tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. It's a sign to the unbeliever. We're all like, well, we don't want anybody to see us doing this. But it's talking actually about a type of tongue that they were speaking in a known language. There are four different types of tongues. We're not going to get into that this week. I might do that in a few weeks. But it says that it's a sign. And then it also says, we need to know our environment. If you're in your cell group and a new person walks in that's an unbeliever and you're all sitting there praying in tongues, it says here that the person will look at you and say, you're out of your mind. We need to know who's with us, amen? Change your group. Love them, witness to them. It's not the time to do that. 
Now, it also says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 20 through 25, it says when you're having a cell group or you're meeting in church and an unbeliever comes in, and just like when I came into the church and that Pastor Carlson gave me a word, read my heart, it says this. This is so powerful. It says, and thus the secrets of the heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How important is it that people learn to flow properly in the gifts of the Spirit? I was with Mickey Robinson one time, and we were in the cities, and he's funny. He flows like this all the time. We walk out of Walgreens. There we are, real spiritual, carrying a bunch of water and some groceries. We walk, walk past this, this guy. He's dressed nice. Walk past him. He's just standing there. I don't know what he's doing. Carry all the water to the car, put it in the trunk. I look at Mickey, and he goes, we're supposed to talk to that guy. I said, yeah, we're supposed to talk to that guy. I said, number one, you're Mickey, so you talk to everyone. <clears throat> so we go back, and as I'm walking back, the Lord says to me, he's an atheist, so he's not going to be open to the gospel. So Mickey walks up and says, hey, what's going on? He starts giving his testimony, and and I said, just hold up, Mickey. I said, the Lord said he's an atheist. He's not listening to you. The guy looked at me and goes, how did you know that? And Mickey goes, see, this is Mickey. He goes, God wants you to know that he's real and that he deeply loves you. And I want to know how that stent is doing in your shoulder. He said, I just had a stent put in my shoulder. He said, like two weeks ago. He said, well, I know because he's Mickey. And the guy looks and he goes, you're freaking me out. And I'm like, Lord, I want to play. (laughs) So Mickey forgets something. He has to run in the store quick. And so when he goes in the store, I look at him. I said, I just want to pray with you a little bit. He's like, well, yeah, whatever. So I put my hand on him. And immediately the Lord says he just lost his wife to cancer. And he's living with his mother, and he's, he's in a hard place. And I just, I said, I'm going to say something. I said, you might get mad at me. But I told him, and he started to cry. And Mickey came back out, and he seen the man was crying, so Mickey leads him to Jesus. Ten minutes, a guy went from an atheist to a believer. Say amen. Isn't that fun? It says, the secrets of the heart revealed, they'll fall down on their face and they'll worship God and say, God is truly among you. That's what he did. His heart opened up and he said, God's truly with you guys. But when it's a dry church and nothing's happening, there's nothing to compare it against. It's just philosophy against philosophy. It's you said versus he said. But all of a sudden, you flow in the divine gifts of the Spirit that Jesus Christ himself gave to the church God said it was good. He created all the animals of the field. He created all those things, and he said they are good. When he created the gifts of the Spirit, he put them in the church because they're good. And when they're used correctly, the church goes into a place of revival. People get excited. People know that God is with you. Just say amen. That's what I say. That's a word from the Lord. God's up there going, <laughs> they're getting it. This is good. All right, 1 Samuel 9. 1 Samuel 9, go there real quick. We'll, we'll wrap up and 
5 or 10 or 30 minutes. 1 Samuel 9. This is a very, very awesome story about Saul in the Old Testament. And Saul loses his donkeys. Saul loses his donkeys. He's from a very wealthy family. And his dad sends him off. Family sends him off. Go find the donkeys. It's like losing the tractors. It'd be like losing the two John Deere tractors. This is what they used back then, you know. So he goes out and he can't find these donkeys. And his servant, if I get this right, his servant says, hey, there's a man of God, a seer, a prophet, that lives in this town. And they went from city to city. They couldn't find these donkeys. I don't know why they went from city to city. They walked slow. How long were these things gone? Anyways, they get to this city where Samuel is, and the cities were pretty small, actually. They were just, you know, little clusters. And they, they said, you know, Samuel lives in this town. Let's go see him. They said, well, I don't have a gift to give him. And his servant said, well, I have a piece of silver. He said, uh, we'll, we'll give him that. And he says, okay. So they go to Samuel, and they talk to Samuel, and before they can share anything, Samuel tells them that they're looking for their donkeys. How many knows that know that they're getting, you know, they're starting to go, wow, I think God is speaking here. See? People need to know that God is real. Amen? They look at Samuel. <clears throat> Hey, we're, you're right. Yeah, we're looking for our donkeys. And he says, hey, don't you know that all of Israel is, is waiting on you? He starts to prophesy over him about how he's going to be king and God hand selected him. And Saul says this. See, in his heart, Saul had some garbage. It says, not me. I'm just a lowly man. I'm nobody. I am nobody. He's arguing with the prophet. God's saying from, uh, Samuel is saying from God's perspective, you're a mighty king. And Saul, from his perspective, is, sa is saying, I'm just a lowly man. I'm nobody. Saul, and Samuel says to him, he says, I want you to go and spend time with the prophets. He said, don't worry about your donkeys. They're already found. They're going to be taken care of. He said, you go spend time with the prophets. He turns, and the Bible says when he turned, God gave him a new heart. So God captivated him, his attention, by these words. But as he walked in obedience, God gave him a new heart. Amen? He gave him a number of signs to confirm that he was going to be king. He said, you're going to go to the next town, this is going to happen, then that's going to happen, then this is going to happen, then that's going to happen, then this is going to happen. Samuel was very confident in his gift. And Saul went, spent time with the prophets. God gave him a new heart. He began to prophesy. People are like, is he a prophet now? See, God was changing his heart. Then all those signs began to get fulfilled, and then Saul knew that God truly was calling him to be king. And later they anoint him to be king. And, uh, and then that story took off. 
But it's interesting how it took the prophetic gifting to open up a king's heart. He went from a common man to a king in a moment. What can happen when the gift of prophecy is properly used in the church today? Can be called into some dynamic use for God. Someone's like, well, I don't have any gifting, and God calls a man of God to grab that guy, prophesy, and you're going to be a teacher, and you're going to go to the school system, and God's anointing is going to be on you, and you're going to give, uh, you're, the heart of God is going to be there, and you're going to have wisdom from above. And, and they're like, man, I don't know if I could go to college and you know, get a teaching degree. And, and after that word, they're, like in, they're just pregnant with hope, knowing that God's with them. And they cast all care away and they go to college and they become a teacher and they go and they fulfill that. And it's just like the prophecy said, God uses them tremendously. Guys okay? What is the gift of prophecy for then? It says to edify, to exhort, and to con and consolation. Means to build up. When you give a prophecy to someone... It should build them up. Say that, build them up. So when you give a word from God, it should build them up. Exhortation, to call near. And consolation, to cheer up. So if someone gives you a word from God and it makes you depressed and empty and hopeless, is that a word from God? How about if they prophesy and you go into a state of confusion? Probably not. Probably not. All right. So I like that. There's, there are things, guidelines for, the, for releasing a word. Here's another thing. When you go to give someone a word, there's revelation. Say revelation. That's what you heard in your heart. So God will speak to you, and he'll say something for you to give to that person, like when I wrote it down to that guy. That's the revelation. One more time, say revelation. Then there's the interpretation. What did God mean? If you don't know, say, I don't know. Don't try to be a spiritual rock star and make up something. Don't do that. First thing is revelation. Say revelation. That's what he said. It's important to Articulate it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Revelation, what he said. Interpretation, what it meant. If I don't know what it meant, then say, I don't know what it means. Can you guys do that? When you make it up, you cause, you take a good word and you create confusion. Is that good? The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask. Joseph in the Old Testament could interpret a dream by doing one thing. He said, all interpretation comes from God. So he would say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Show me. God would give him wisdom, and he'd open up the interpretation. Learn how to do that. Don't guess. That's when we hurt people. Revelation, interpretation, and the last key to a word is application. 
application. What did he say? What did it mean? And how do I apply it in my life? How do I apply it in my life? When those three come in alignment, it can be a very powerful thing. When those three are not in alignment, it can open confusion, doubt, whatever. Does that make sense? You guys okay with me? Is this, a, is this okay uh, of a teaching here? So, let's see here. Hallelujah. I heard a train a-coming. Coming around the bend. I don't remember when it's all right. What is that? What? Oh, you blah, 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 blah. That's E, e minor. Right? What is this? That's D, right? A. Hey, we should just like break it out here. That's E minor, A, D. Amen. Wow, why are you doing that? I don't know. Okay. So here's, here's a tone. Let's go to, this is D, right? You guys got that sound in your head? This is where it gets dangerous. We used to, we used to have things called pianos. Now it's like a computer. That's D, right? Okay, I did a D on the guitar, and now I do a D on the piano. Do they sound the same? Yeah, it's in harmony with each other. And what God wants to do in the New Testament American church again is he wants to release the gifts of the Spirit in harmony with the Word of God. So they're powerful, reliable, and life-changing. Say amen. So if you want to be used powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to open the Bible and get grounded in the Word of God. Where do flakes come from? Flakes are people that don't know the Word and trying to be super spiritual. Discernment isn't a gift. Discernment of spirits is a gift. Discernment of spirits is a gift. Discernment is in your life because you know the Word of God and it reveals error. Does that make sense? Well, brother, I discern that you're an heir. Do you know the word? No? Well, never mind. No. Discernment is through knowing the word of God. It's not a feeling. It's not a anything. It's knowing the word of God. So when you see the false, it says that's not good. Amen? It needs to be in harmony. All right. I need to wrap up. All right. Well, thank you. My wife gave me her notes. 
All right, let's, let's stand up. I'm going to pray with you, actually. I want, to, I want to pray. I need the ministry team up here. The gifts of the Spirit, when they're in harmony with the Word of God, they're very powerful. They're very powerful. I don't know if I can make, any, make it any clearer than that. Are the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible? Does it say that you'll lack no spiritual gift until the return of Jesus? That's pretty clear. I, I just, I've had people argue with me, and then I just go through like three scriptures, and they're like, never mind. Never mind, okay. had a guy, he was a Methodist pastor, and riding with him, and he finally said, hey, he said, you know, you've done things overseas, and da-da-da-da. He said, is the Holy Spirit really for today? And I said, yeah. I said, let me tell you about John Wesley. John Wesley was the one that started your denomination. I started telling him Wesley stories about the gifts of the Spirit and healing and prophecy and all these things that Wesley was used in on a regular basis. He started crying in my car. He said, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I said, then give me your hand, brother. And I prayed with him. The Spirit of God filled the car. He started crying, and he received the gift of the Holy Spirit right there, and it changed his whole life. How many want the Spirit of God? How many want the gifts of the Spirit? Amen. All right. So I'd like you to, to break something off first. Can we do that? I'd like you to close your eyes and just trust me with a prayer. Say, Lord, I break off bad teaching and fear, and I embrace the Word of God. The Word says the gifts are for today. I fully embrace all that you have for me. Amen. All right. Now put your hand on somebody. We're going to pray. Father, we pray that you would stir up these gifts. I pray you'd stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The world needs to see the hand of God and the flow of God again in the house of God, in Christians. There must be a difference in this day. There must be a difference. The Lord is moving His hand today. The Lord is moving His hand today. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing upon the coals. I see like this fan, this, this bellows blowing in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, God, we say yes to You. We say yes to You. We say yes to You, Lord. God, use us in the things of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that the, the gifts would come alive again. Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. We pray, Father, for the Spirit of God to come alive in this house. Let the cell groups be so on fire for Jesus that by some new person even walking in there, they are forever etched in their life knowing that God was amongst them. Lord, we pray for a release of the Spirit. We say yes to Jesus, yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So I want to I pray and we're going to dismiss, but I want, if you feel like you need to be stirred up again in the things of the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to pray with you. The team's going to pray with you. And we're going to see God begin to breathe life again in your life. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you to come up and let God move. Um,
Can we put some music on? And then we're going to pray a prayer of dismissal. But I think God's going to do some fiery things up here. You guys okay with that? I'm ready. I am ready. I'm, let's just, just give me one minute. Just wait on the Lord for just a minute. Father God. 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 Lord, we just pray right now. Father God. I'm asking you to come and stir the church again. We want to be in harmony with the Word of God. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord. I'm going to commission you to step out in faith. Just like I gave that guy that word and he came to Christ through a piece of paper, I'm going to, I'm going to commission you, I'm going to encourage you to take steps of faith. When you're in Walmart, you're in the gas station, you're sitting with someone, you say, Lord, do you have a word for them? Sometimes it's just an encouragement. Sometimes it's something deep. But learn to draw from the Spirit of God. The Bible says, having your senses strengthened through use. The more you use them, the stronger they get. Amen? Father, we pray right now. Stir up these gifts. Stir up these gifts. I just, I just see the Lord showing me this word. He's saying, I want to raise up some champions. I want to raise up some fiery champions that will cause other people to, that will cause other people to, to be strong. By them being strong, it'll cause others to be strong. I want to raise up some champions. I want to raise up some champions. I want to raise up some champions. Lord, I pray that you do that here. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let every gift of the Spirit come into operation, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray you bless the people as they go. Lord, we're excited for what you're doing. We thank you for your hand on their life. And Lord, I thank you for their, uh, your blessing on their life. I just see some business owners that God's going to refresh you again and say that I'm with you. He's going to refresh you. He's going, to, he's going to remind you when you're out about in your business. I just see some even in like uh, equipment that the Lord's going to speak to you and refresh you and give you encouragement again, saying, I want you to know I called you to do this. He's going to give you a favor. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you mark these people with your goodness. Lord, let your light shine upon them. Lord, let them be blessed wherever they go. In the name of Jesus Christ, we need to know that God is with us. Amen? Amen. So God bless you guys. I'd like you to come down if you would, and let's pray for you and unlock some stuff. Amen? All right, God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.